Okay, so we have been over the last couple of weeks uh, discussing the church, uh, kind of marks of the church, uh, what scripture says in regards to the church. We've looked at uh, in Romans chapter 12 verses 10 through 13 how uh, scripture speaks to the church as family. Uh, in Ephesians 5, verses 25 down through verse 32, how Scripture speaks of the church as the bride. Um, in John chapter 15, we looked at how uh, it speaks about us as branches grafted into uh, the vine. And then last week, we looked at 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, regarding how uh, scripture speaks of us as living stones and a holy priesthood. Today we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So if you want to go ahead and flip there with me, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Today we're going to be uh, attempting to land this plane. Uh, and we're going to be talking about how scripture identifies us as the body of Christ. So, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm going to begin reading in verse 12. Um, a couple of like key takeaways that we've seen along the way before we get into this kind of final, um, final discussion. Uh, when we consider family, some of the things that I think that we should uh, take away from this is... Uh, just how close we ought to be to one another. Um, I know that we can come from broken families. We can come from families that give us this like skewed perspective of what family looks like. Uh, but at the core of it, family sticks together, ought to stick together through everything. We ought to be a place that we can uh, draw close to one another, encourage one another. So when we consider that the church is a family, um, we should consider whether or not we, uh, whether or not we do that, whether or not we draw close together, whether or not we encourage one another, whether or not we're there for one another through, uh, through everything. Um, when we consider that we're the bride of Christ, one thing that I think ought to be a particular takeaway for us here is we ought to consider our purity. We ought to consider our commitment to uh, Christ as the church. Have we committed our purposes, our plans, our hopes, and our desires to, uh, to Christ being his bride, being the church? Uh, when I consider that scripture speaks of us as branches uh, here, one of the things that I think we ought to take away from this understanding is uh, that you find your life in Christ individually and also collectively as a church. It is Christ from which we find uh, our strength. It's where we find our lifeblood. Um, and to be uh, apart from the vine, uh, we are going to wither away. Uh, I, I think Ru Russell also brought out a pretty important point when we were making that discussion as well, that the Father is the vine dresser. So as we are attached to the vine, uh, we ought to expect this pruning to occur, this, this uh, sanctifying of us that comes from being attached to the vine, that comes from um, being 
um, Christ and him seeking to uh, refine us. And then last week, as we were speaking about living stones and holy priesthood, we consider this thing that God is building throughout space and time that we are a part of being those living stones and how the world looks on the outward construction and ought to see the beauty of this masterful craftsman who has been working this thing throughout time and then also considering uh, that we are this uh, spiritual house that when people look inside, when people look inside the church, that they ought to see a particular special um, manifestation of God within the church. They should be able to look inside the church and see him. Clearly, And that's something that we should, uh, as we consider what it means to be living stones as well as a holy priesthood meant to minister to him. These are things that we should be considering. So now as we consider today in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, us being the body of Christ, uh, one of the key takeaways that I want us to get kind of as we're digging into this, so be, be looking for it, is that you are a member of this body and you are an essential component of the church. Right? You are essential to the life of the church. If you hurt, the body hurts. If you are withdrawn and atrophied, the body suffers the consequences of that. Right? So as we dig into this and consider that you are a member of the body, consider that you ought to be well used within the body. Right? So as we dig into this, these are some of the things that I kind of want us to be uh, considering here. Another thing that I want us to, to consider as we kind of press on to this is who, who selected you to be the particular member of the body that you are? The answer that we'll come to as we dig in here is that if you are a toe, you're a toe because God selected you to be there. That when he was thinking about you and how you would fit into the body, that he chose you for that particular purpose. He called you out and placed you where you are in the capacity that you are with the giftings that he's given you to be used. So if you look at yourself and say, well, I'm just a toe. I'm not a mouth. I'm not the, uh, something that's like beautifully seen on a, on a body like... And, and you look at your position as being somehow less significant or less important, get that out of your mind. Get that out of your mind. Because God selected you to be where you are, and if you are not used effectively, the body as a whole suffers because of it. So as we consider the body today, that's one of the things that I want us to consider is that you are a member of something bigger. And you are essential to the optimal working of that body, right? You are not unimportant. You are not a, a piece of that body that can be forgotten and put away but God has you exactly where you are fitting in however it is that he's fit you in so that you can be used. If you don't know how it is that you can be effectively used within the church, you ought to be praying that God makes this clear to you because you are a part of the body. You are a member. You are placed there 
by God and you are intended by him to be used for one another's well-being, for the perfect working of this body that he's joined you into. So uh, let's, let's consider that as we consider this last analogy that we're going to be looking at uh, today. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I'll begin reading in verse 12. For just as one body, or for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. So here we see him laying out here this analogy of the body, the members of the body, and being one, like united in, in one body together. And we're going to see how he kind of takes this analogy and... Uh, expands on it for things that we should uh, understand about our place within the church, within the body of Christ. So verse 13, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. So he's going to be speaking here about members, about members of the body, but how does he start this discussion? Does he start with the individual workings, like you are a mouth or you are an eye or you are a nose? What is he, what's he doing? He's showing us how we are united. No matter what your individual role or purpose within the church is, you have you being an ear or a toe or an eye or a hair on the head, you, as a member of the church, who might look at your particular position as somehow less important, you're united in this body by the same Spirit that unites the ear, that unites the eye, that, it, that unites the mouth, that, in, that unites the face, the arms, the legs. You are, for in one Spirit, verse 13, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. So one thing that I want us to point out here that he, he does immediately is that he lists out a couple of areas where people might be disjointed, right? Jews and Greeks. Were there any differences between people who were Jewish and people who were Greek? Of course there were differences. Were there different experiences amongst them from growing up? Of course there were differences. <clears throat> Slaves or free, were there differences in what you could expect and what you could hope for? But what does he say? All were made to drink of one spirit. So in this body, one of the things that he's pointing out immediately is your purpose and work might be different. Because you're a member of a body. But your worth and your dignity is identical. Right? No matter where you fit in the body, your worth and dignity is equal to every other piece of this body. No matter where you fit. You can't speak. You're not eloquent. Your dignity and worth 
is aligned perfectly with the one that you would look to and say that they have a greater use within the church. Do you understand this? If you find yourself thinking that what you're doing is less important than someone else, understand that when he starts this analogy, he's aligning us so that we understand that in the, at the end of the day, no matter where we fall, we are worth the same. Our dignity is the same. We were all made to drink of one spirit. Verse 14. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. So I want you to consider as we kind of press on into this, because he gives us these analogies along the way. What if the body were only... Consider, the, consider yourself where you see yourself falling, and then there's a tendency with, within... Um, just within us as humans to like identify something that we think that it is a better position or a better like it's a, it, it's a more dignified like st- stance. Like you might look at the pastor and say this is a, this is a more dignified or more honorable thing than uh, a, me as a teacher in a classroom, right? So you might you might look to that thing and you might say, well, that's the mouth there, right? And, and I'm like the neck hair on the back or something. And you might look at the mouth and you might say, like, that's a, like, I wish I could be that, right? Have you ever found yourself thinking, I wish I had this particular gift to use? Oh boy, how I would use it if I could sing, right? <laughs> Have you ever thought, like, boy, if I could sing, uh, you would not be able to hush me up. <laughs> Man. I got Yeah. Are you really doing that in heaven? Is it really penetrating heaven? I mean, really is it? And I thought, you know, boy, that really resonates yeah. a lot more than, you know, you can have all your fanfares and everything down here, but if that true heart was singing, is it going into the yeah. throne room? And also, and also, has, and also, when we, when we think, towards the things that we feel less capable in as the thing that we ought to, like, I desire that more, it's easy for us to overlook the things that God has gifted us for and be of no use with it, right? What if the whole body were a mouth, right? He he digs into this. What if the whole body was the thing that you identified as the greatest component of that body? Would it be effective? Could the mouth sing without the lungs? Without the throat? Without the tongue? Could any one piece of the body function on its own? 
right? Mm-hmm. Even your toes. And I think about some of the hardest things here, the chilling workers, and then, you know, I think about Ron. I'm not taking off from the pastor. <laughs> I know that's the hardest, but I often just praise God for Ron and yeah. Posey and her baby girl, you know, and what they yeah. do with the events. And, I mean, mm-hmm. that's, and, and even never go question <laughs> at BBS yeah. that they're going to do that. Yeah. We just take it for granted, and that's hard. Yeah. That's big. But without all the components, the body doesn't function. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. We can see when the body functions optimally. We know what that looks like, right? When all the parts of the body are working together. Unfortunately, oftentimes we only appreciate that well-functioning body when we see it less optimally working. And then we think, man, when I was young, right? Boy, I was stronger, fitter, better, and now it's fading away, right? Here's the It's harder to get the body in. Yeah. 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 Here's here's the beautiful Here's the beautiful thing about the body of Christ. Is though the members might age, we are like cells within this body who produce, split, and there's more. And though we may fade and die, the body does not. God has had a fully functioning, capable, working church from the time that Jesus selected His disciples to today the body has it gone through times that it needed to grow a bit absolutely of course but god is the one that joins these members together we'll we'll see that as we as we dig in and he doesn't fail in continuing that work so the analogy of us having bodies that break down and eventually don't work anymore this is one of those places where when you stretch the analogy of the body of christ it fails Because the body of Christ, though us as individuals might age and pass, continues vibrant into the future. Right? Because God is continuing this work of building, assembling, growing the body. Right? So, the body doesn't consist of one member, but of many Verse 15, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, would that make it any less a part of the body? So you looking down on the position that you might find yourself in as a member of this body, though you see it as less important or less significant, does that make you any less that member? Does your view of your part that you play in the body make it any less part of the body of Christ? No. No. And because of that, it makes it no less significant. We need to realign our understanding of what it is that God's doing. Right? God's working. He's using you individually. So just because you're uh, a foot and not a hand... It doesn't mean that you don't belong to the body. What it means is that you ought to recognize that you are a foot. So stand, right? Or be stood on. (laughs) Yes. 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 
Like he flips upside down, right? And he, we get this as we kind of press deeper into this. Like the things that we cover up, we show more honor and dignity to, right? Yeah. That's what Don't downplay Yeah, don't downplay where you are because God selected you for it, right? We'll hit that. I want you to be looking for that as we as we dig through this, right? Be looking for the fact that God selected you for this. All right? So, uh, verse 16, and if the ear should say because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, would or that would not make it any less part of the body. So um, it should be telling to us that, uh, that the writer here uh, points this reality out. That it is. It should not surprise us if we find ourselves in the place that God has put us within the body, looking at other places, other uses, and thinking, well, I'm not that. So what does that make me? It makes you what God has made you all along, except you need to recognize it. Right? Recognize that God has assembled us together out of His wisdom for the uses that He sees fit for us. If the whole body were an eye, verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of where would be the sense of hearing? Right? We can't all be the same thing. We ought to be grateful to be what it is that God has chosen us and selected us and called us to be. If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. So this is a place where like conviction ought to set in for us if we look at the place that we find ourselves and see it less honorable, see it as less useful, see it as insignificant, because what we find is the body of Christ has been arranged by who? God. God himself. God arranged the members in the body. Each one of them. Is there one that's an exception here? Is there one that finds themselves attached that they were not arranged in that way by God Himself? No. Each one of them, and they were arranged haphazardly, is the same one that constructs this uh, spiritual house out of living stones is this same masterful craftsman now when it comes to the intricacies of the body does he lack understanding in biology does he lack understanding in physics does he lack understanding in how to join this body together perfectly if you're thinking that you're out of place in what he's called you to do that's the claim that you're making because scripture says that you're where you are each and every one of you, because God has arranged you as so, because He chose it to be that way. If all, verse 19, if all were a single member, where would the body be? And the answer there is dead. 
is dead. The body can't function as a single member. Do y'all hear me? When we consider the health of the church, the health of Mount Carmel, and we point all of our fingers at a single individual, shame on the body. Because what you're saying is, the body works because the mouth works. But the body doesn't work unless all the members of the body work. And when all the members of the body don't work, the body as a whole struggles. That's hard to hear. Because what that means is is that we can't point externally to the problems that we see. We can't say it's this person or that person. Or it's the fault of this group of individuals. It's our collective fault if the body is not functioning properly. As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye, verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor can the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. So for those who for those who find themselves in a position that they consider honorable, right? Perhaps the teachers and the preachers, right? Ought we not consider the way that we look at the other members of the body? Ought we ought not consider what this text is telling us right here? On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. So there are those within the church that see their position and the part that they play as unhonorable, as lesser insignificance. And in so doing, they consider that where God has placed them, He's misplaced them. And then there are those who consider the place or position that they have within the church to be honorable. And there can be a tendency there to look at the other parts of the body and consider them to be less significant. And what Scripture would tell us is that that view is as wrong as the opposing view. The parts that seem to be weaker are indispensable, is what Scripture would tell us. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor. And our unrepresent or our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. There's, a, there's an aspect to this text that is, as it's telling us, as it's describing the working of the body and our place in it, It's working within us to strip out the wrong ways that we look at other members of the body and the wrong ways that we consider our own place within the body. So that we see the body as not just made up of me and those like me, 
or you and those like you, but as something that we ought to consider one another in such a way that we seek to be better joined together, more optimally aligned and unified. It's changing the way that we think about one another. Because we consider, like what it says here in verse 24, the latter part of it, but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care one for another. As we consider that each and every one of us finds our place within the church, and if the church is functioning optimally, if the body is healthy, then you are where you are because God placed you there. And I need you and you need me. And there is not one whose position is greater. We are united in the same spirit for the same ultimate purpose. The glory of God. And we know if we consider for a moment that that the person that you look at and the thing that they have is you either look at their gifting as higher or lower and you consider for a moment that they are not there and our tendencies tend to be because we think that they are there because of themselves, right? Because we think that we are where we are because of ourselves. We don't stop to consider for a moment that we are where we are literally in the space of human history because God said, now you will be in this moment. Like you live in 2022 because God said on a particular day that you would be born and that there would be a particular day that you would die and it wasn't yet. God is in control of where you exist in history, where you exist in space and time, where you exist as a member of the church. If one member suffers, verse 26, all suffer together. So if the body is not working optimally, we all suffer. Whether or not you realize it or not, if cancer is moving through the body, the whole body dies. Right? It may not start in the eye or the ear or the mouth. But if this dysfunction continues on without intervention, it affects the whole body. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. All rejoice together. Let us seek to honor one another. When we see this, let us seek to rejoice together in the good working of the gifts of those that we find ourselves in community with. Verse 27. Actually, we're going to read this and then we'll go really quickly over to uh, Romans chapter 12, verse, verse 1. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of of it. Consider that. Consider that you are part of something bigger and that you have a role to play within this. However significant or insignificant you find it, God has 
selected you and placed you where you are because he has a particular purpose for you. Now, as we consider kind of wrapping this this study uh, regarding the church up today, um, there's a couple of big takeaways that I want us to see that that uh, we find when we examine the church. One is uh, a position of worship. The other is a position of transformation. Um, we are uh, to the world and amongst ourselves representatives that should lead one another um, to a greater, deeper worship of God. We are a place where... Uh, where the Holy Spirit works in a very particular way amongst us so that we are transformed by things that you would never consider transformative. right? Um, and then ultimately that, that this united working together leads to an evangelism. It leads to us taking this reality into the world and God continuing the work that brought us here on to the next generation. That ultimately the body doesn't die because we take this truth out. And God, as, as oftentimes as it might appear that, uh, that the church is disorganized and dysfunctional and disillusioned, and here's a reality that we know for certain, is that Nowhere from the time of Christ's ascension to now has there been a perfect human being working within the church. And yet from then to now, God has worked perfectly through all of them. And he continues that today for us. We're going to read verse 12, or excuse me, verse 1 through verse 8. Um, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers... By the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Verse 3. For by the grace given to me... Uh, like, stop for a second and consider... He's a member of this body. He considers the place that he's at, the position that he's at, the um, honor that he has to do what he's doing, and he considers it a grace given to him. For by the grace given to me, given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. When we consider our place within the church, when we consider our use that God has put us to, right, the purpose for which he's joined us, where he's joined us, let us do so with sober minds. What does that mean? What does it mean for us to be sober-minded? Clear-headed is another way that you could think about that, that you think rightly about it, right? Don't think of yourself more highly, which is a tendency, right? Though we have times where we think less of ourselves, if we're honest, we're very prideful people, and we often find ourselves thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. But instead, we ought to be sober-minded, thinking clearly, right? Using our minds 
each according. And this is like, as we read this next part of verse 3, this latter part of verse 3, I want us to consider what it says here. It says, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Where does your faith come from? Where does it come from? Does it come from your effort? Does it ultimately come from somewhere sourced from within you? This verse would seem to indicate to us that at least in some aspect, our faith, the faith that you have now, is a sign. Do you want to have more faith? Do you want can you do you find at times you have little faith? Do you want more? Lord, I believe, help me in my unbelief. What was he what was he doing in that? He was asking the one who assigns. He was asking the one who can give when you can't. So when we consider, let us think sober-minded, let us think about where he's placed us, let us Consider it according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members don't all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Let us consider it. Let us consider the fact that if I don't use my gifts, that I am contributing to the dysfunction within the body. If you do not use your gifts, you are contributing to this dysfunction. Verse 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Again, who is the one that assigns this? Who is the one that gives it? According to the grace given to us, let us use them. That's that's a that's a calling up if you don't catch that. You are members of one another. You've been given gifts by the grace of God. Let us use them. Let us use them. Please, church, let us use our gifts. He lists a couple. This is not an exhaustive list. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. What's the point that he's trying to get to here? Is that the, the mechanism by which you use your gifts will depend on the gifts that you've been given. Let your faithfulness align with your place. Let your faithfulness and the usage of your gifts align with the grace that God has given you to use those gifts. The one who doesn't teach can't be expected to leverage their gifts in teaching. 
right? We should not expect the same from everyone, but we should expect the gifts that God has given to everyone be used for the building up of the body. This is an expectation that we ought to have within the church. You should expect that if you see me, who claims that God has gifted me for this, failing to use it, that I am doing that to your detriment. And I should expect the gifts that God has given you, if you fail to use them, it is to my detriment. It's the detriment of my family. And I want you to get, when I say my family here, I'm not just talking about the ones that arrived in the car with me today. I'm talking about you, each and every one of you. We are a family. Scripture speaks about us in this way. We are the bride. We are the branches. We are the living stones. We are a holy priesthood. We are the body of Christ. Each joined together. Members given gifts. Let us use those gifts to build one another up, to strengthen one another, to encourage one another to carry this gospel out so that the whole world might be transformed, that we might worship together with brothers and sisters that do not even know that they are brothers and sisters yet because we will evangelize the nations because that's what God has called us to. And it starts in ways that we would not anticipate it starting using gifts that we would not see how that gift led to the world being reached, right? Your gift, as insignificant as you might consider it to be, has the ability to impact the nations if you would just use your gifts. And I have zero doubt, zero doubt, that God has equipped His people, that He has chosen to use them, and that He will do so. We'll close with that. Church, be the church. Be what He has called you to be. And I say that to myself.